What is going on, everybody? This is the Patty Ball. We are back again with the 26th. I got the number right this time. The 26th episode of the Patty's podcast. I mean, no, that's not the name. <laughs> the name is Sunday Morning Hoops. My old podcast used to be the Patty's podcast. Wow, I got the number right, but I got the name wrong. So, you know, let's take what you can get here. I'm here yet again with Sam. What's up, Sam? Hey, buddy. I'm glad to be on your old show right now. It's really an honor. Um, I, I never expected the day would come where we would resurrect your old show just so that I could be a guest. But you know what? It, it, it truly means a lot to me that you would do that. Well, you you follow a pretty big big guest in my little brother, so I hope you can hold up to that standard. He was my last guest, so, you know. Uh, and we speaking of guests, we do have a guest today. I'm here with Thomas. Thomas, I was going to ask you how to pronounce your last name. Is it Kodiga? Is it Kodiga? It's, it's Kodiga. C-O-D-I-G-A, yeah. Let's just pretend I said that right. Thomas Kodiga, how are you today, man? It's great to have you on. Dude, doing well. Just really looking forward to talking about some hoops and the NBA season. There's just so much going on and there's just a lot to unpack and I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, that's a great point. Thomas, I'm really glad to have you in here. I love that your last name sounds like a late night anime cartoon that would come on like on Comedy Central like at like 3 a.m. But like, dude, I'm I, I'm I'm excited to have him here. I'm excited to get into this. Um, well, Patty, we've got we've got news. It finally happened. Yes, we do. It it uh, it had happened. Uh, the Hornets lost. Oh, I wasn't it referencing that. But yeah, you're right. It finally happened. Lose. They lost their seventh game. We knew it had to happen. Um, no, we knew we knew that James Harden was going to be traded. And it happened. Uh, I, I can read the whole package. I had to read it on a quack smack. It took like two minutes because it's just it's just really long. It's quite the long package. I mean, uh, let me let me just put, I, I know you texted it to me. Let me just pull it up because it's going to take a sec. To, to Are we just going to ignore the fact that you were just bringing up your long package and we're just going to leave it there? <laughs> okay. Uh, I regret saying that. I... Didn't really, I didn't really realize that what I was saying there. But <laughs> I have the trade package here. The trade package. Um, so in this 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 four team deal, uh, the Nets got James Harden. That's it. That's you're not supposed to get any other pieces. Uh, the Rockets got Victor Oladipo from the Pacers, Dante Exum from the Cavs. I know the Cavs are really sad apart with him. Um, Radians Kurukut. Kuruks. I'm I'm gonna I hope I said that right. He's from Brooklyn. Uh three Brooklyn first round picks, one Milwaukee first round pick, and four Brooklyn pick swaps. And they have they basically have a Brooklyn first round pick up until twenty twenty seven. And then the Pacers got Karis Levert from the net from the Rockets who got him from the Nets. And then they got a second rounder, and then the Cavs got Jared Allen and Tareem Prince from the Nets. So you know, let's just start this off with the the basic uh, winners and losers. Who won this deal? Who lost this deal? Uh, Thomas, we'll let you kick it off. You can you can get it get it wrong. Give me a winner or a loser. Well, I would say a winner in this. It's not either Brooklyn or Houston. I think it's the Indiana Pacers bringing in Karis Levert, a guy you have under team control for three years. Somebody's a can be a go-to scorer, and we saw last year in the bubble when he just really was the one A and what he's able to do and. You had him with Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, who I think still needs to shoot a, couple, a little less threes and start getting to the paint a little more, and TJ Warren. That team could really that, – that starting five could match up very well against most teams in the East. So I think only having to trade Victor Oladipo 
in order to get a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, the fact that Oladipo is probably going to leave at the end of the season, or you'd have to pay him over the $18 million that Karis LeVert's owed or owed each of the next three years. I really think the Indiana Pacers won that trade. I think it's really difficult to disagree with Thomas there. I think the Indiana Pacers come away from this better than they were before. I know that you have questions, Patty, of whether or not Karis LeVert is better than Victor Oladipo, but here's what I'll tell you. Victor Oladipo is younger. Victor Oladipo, as Thomas brought up, is under team control for three years. Um, if Karis LeVert, excuse Levert. me, Karis yeah, LeVert, yeah, yeah, Karis LeVert, Karis LeVert's under control for three years. Oladipo, Oladipo is a super talented player, no doubt. He's a former All Star, but some guys really struggle to return from as devastating an injury as a guy like Oladipo had. Oladipo had a really, really gnarly injury, and the fact of the matter is it's going to be really difficult to get a guy to be his most productive self after such an incident. So to be able to swap that guy out, bring in a bona fide score, somebody you know can put the ball in the hoop. Trust me, I just watched this Indiana team this week. Watch them pound my Portland team, absolutely beat them down. The, maybe the reason was Portland was coming off a back-to-back, had to come back in the game before, yada, yada, yada. We can come up with all the excuses we want to. 111-87, to yeah, Indiana's a pretty talented team. The Pacers, they've got a squad. They've got a group that's going to be really, really talented and is going to be a problem probably for a while here. They're already fourth in the Eastern Conference right now at 8-4. and four. They're only getting better. Indiana Pacers, they, we didn't even know they were involved with this trade, but they came away winners. Yeah, I still tend to think I, I I I always have had a little bit of Victor Oladipo bias at times. So I I do think I I mean I guess it's more of a hope that he can come back to somewhat of what he once was. But I mean, I I think you guys do both have great points about Karis LeVert being younger, Karis LeVert being under contract for longer. So I mean, I I, I it's hard to not say the Indiana Pacers are winners. I mean, I I know the Houston Rockets are obviously kind of winners here. Like, if you get that many draft picks, like, I think by 2027, Brooklyn is not going to have the same core going still. I don't think they're going to be all in their primes. I mean, I, who knows? They could all just leave within the next three years. Like, you, you never know. You never know. So I think those picks are going to be a little more valuable than people tend to think at times. But, I mean, I wish they could have gotten a little more at the same time. Like, I know I've, I've heard Ben Simmons was on the table, and... I Ben Simmons is just he you know he's going to be great you know he's a he's a bona fide star in this league maybe that's just a little little harsh wordage but I think he you know he's a really good prospect and he's shown that so I I think that is just more secure to have than seven maybes especially three late first round maybes in the first late first round picks they'll probably have for the next three years and then for hopefully maybe higher first round picks depending on whatever the Nets turn into um. So I, I think they're winners, but at the same time, I want a little bit more from the Rockets. I would have taken Ben Simmons over any of the picks, pretty much, because you know what you're getting with Ben Simmons. Draft picks always kind of a, a hit or miss here. And is there any other winners or losers you guys wanted to touch on with this deal? Well, I was just going to ask you who you thought your losers were. I think this is the rare, rare situation where there aren't necessarily a ton of losers per se there might be someone who didn't come out as well as somebody else but even a team like Cleveland came out a a little better off I would at least venture to say they're at least improved and have a little bit more depth now even though it means they're probably gonna have to part way with Drummond at some point the fact is is that I think this was a pretty productive trade for the teams involved look at if we go down the list Brooklyn 
They just want another superstar. They were willing to sell whatever they needed to. They just wanted another superstar to create a legitimate big three. And my goodness, did they do it. They have three of arguably the top ten players in the NBA, and I'm not sure it's that much of an argument. They also were able to move some pieces that I think they've wanted to in the trade flip. Well, they actually might come out a little better than on that. Are you going to tell me that Brooklyn, at least for the next couple of years, is going to finish worse than Houston? I don't think so. That trade swaps are going to come up really handy. I go down the list again. Continue. Indiana. Swap that Oladipo for Levert. That's kind of a win. Houston. You mentioned the amount of draft picks. Seven maybes. Yeah, but that's still seven swings you get at trying to come up with a, a, an all-star. I'm not sure that you're going to necessarily with those picks, but if you can package them together and get a little higher up, you definitely can. And lastly... It, it it's one of those situations where you want to look around and you want to be able to say, okay, this team definitely came out on top. This team definitely is going to be worse now. But I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. Yes, Houston will struggle, but long term, they might have done something very good for themselves. I know a lot of people were criticizing Oklahoma City a couple years ago when they gave up a lot for picks, but it's continued to work. Oklahoma City still has a decent record, and they're still – stockpiling picks that are going to come up big throughout the 2020s. Yeah, I think I think the big thing for me, and this, this trade reminded me a lot of the Oklahoma City deals with the picks, but I think the big thing for me was Oklahoma City was able to get Shea Gildas Alexander, who was not necessarily, he wasn't necessarily too proven at that time, but I mean... He was he he is proving to be a really big young piece for that team. Or and I mean you got you got some pieces that were able to keep you competitive as well. Like that was a team that finished fifth in the West last year. So I I think the Rockets didn't get as much as they could have in terms of a future, like players that are proven now, and I don't think they'll be as competitive as Oklahoma City was when they trade away their their whole their Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Um one loser. Can I? I just want to call the Cavs front court a loser. Like this is the stupidest front court. I mean, I, I I think it. They they got a little better with Jared Allen, and they got a little more timeline prepared with Jared Allen. But why is Andre Drummond there, and why is Kevin Love still there? Can can they just leave? They and they don't. And Larry Nance. It's so stupid. Why? This isn't the eight nineteen eighties anymore. You can't win with that, and it doesn't fit your freaking timeline. Because I, the truth is, everything is okay as long as you have Sexland in the backcourt. As long as Sexland exists, anything is possible in Cleveland, and I think you know that, Patty. I will say, though, with the Cavaliers now, it's they position themselves in a good spot to make a trade. You think about now that you have Kevin Love and Andre Drummond, one of them's got to go, and personally, I think Drummond is going to go. I've been saying it all along to the Boston Celtics because you look at their trade exception that they have, but it's about... $28 million from Gordon Hayward, but the Brooklyn Nets, they're a great team. But it doesn't take any, or doesn't take anybody smart to realize that they don't have any interior defenders besides a washed up on or DeAndre Jordan. So I'm thinking teams like the Philadelphia 76ers are really going to give them issues in the paint. And even the Celtics having a bunch of perimeter def- scorers will help. But if you're able to have someone who's able to grab down every rebound, not named Tristan Thompson because Tristan Thompson will get you the rebounds and he'll also just make bonehead decisions on offense. But if you put Andre Drummond on that Celtics team, I think the Nets are going to struggle immensely. And I think with the Nets, although they got the best player in the deal and you added James Harden to that team, they're going to be better, but they lost a lot of depth. They really, they don't have the Jared Allen in the middle who was easily 
their best big man. You don't have Karis Levert being the spark plug off the bench. And people aren't talking about the fact that Dinwiddie's hurt. It's not like you have Dinwiddie coming off the bench who can really keep it going. This team's going to be so interesting. And I guess, obviously, in basketball, the team that scores the most amount of points is going to win. But there are going to be some shootouts in the playoffs as well because normally a lot of scorers, they have a hard time in the playoffs and the game slows down. I don't think that's going to be an issue with Kevin Durant. I don't think that's going to be an issue with James Harden, which it has been in the past, but now that he's second option. And having Kyrie Irving as your third option is going to be just so absurd on the offensive side of the ball. But I think teams are going to be smart enough to realize you can't try to beat them at their own game. You have to pound the rock in the middle of the paint, get a lot of pick and roll calls. Kyrie and James Harden to switch on a – or being an inferior defender switch on a dominant offensive player. I just really think the uh, Andre Drummond sweepstakes, although they've been down, are really going to go high. He's leading the league and rebounding once again. And I guarantee by the end of the year, he's going to be on a contender in the East. See, Thomas, one thing I wanted to address really quick is you, you say Brooklyn has no depth. Well, what do you call what do you call guys like Chris Chioza, uh, Nicholas Claxton? Uh, First of and, all, Nick and, Claxton looks fake in 2K. I just have to say that. You have a guy who looks fake in 2K. Chris Chioza, he was good at Florida, hasn't done anything since the NBA, and I'll toss out another name. Actually, no, Kuduks is gone. I was going to say, if they're Ronnie Kuduks guarding someone in the middle, it's over. But, like, TLC, everyone is hyped on him in the bubble. I don't, like, it's just, they don't have any big men off the bench. It is well, just a crazy thing. Well, that's where you're wrong, because they can pull from their coaching staff. Andre Drummond could come out, I mean, Amari Stoudemire can come out of retirement. Tiago Splitter is just waiting in the wings as the assistant coach of player development. I think he can come If Amari Stoudemire comes out of retirement, they are ch- a championship team. Are we not going to address the fact that the Brooklyn Nets, um, coaching staff could probably get out there and win a couple playoff series right now if they wanted to like this team the the Brooklyn Nets coaching staff is Hall of Famers it's unreal it's unreal the coaching staff they put together I think like we we dove into it on on a previous episode a little bit but it just astounds me the amount of talent both on and off the court for this freaking team as you mentioned Thomas though depth is going to be an issue and unfortunately I'm not sure Amari can take off the suit throw on a jersey and get out there when he needs to especially on those well, knees Well that's just an opinion um I mean and Royal Ivy is there too come on Well I mean we saw Wait, what Royal Amari Ivy's on the do. coaching staff Royal Ivy is on their coaching staff Ooh yes. Brooklyn Dang. Nets man. Brooklyn Nets are a lot of fun Gentlemen we've spent well just about half our show talking about the Brooklyn Nets, Houston Rockets, Indiana Pacers, Cleveland Cavaliers, four-team trade that, well, it brought James Harden to Brooklyn and made things a lot more interesting all across the league. But what I will say is that we still do have another 15 or so minutes of NBA basketball to discuss. LaPatty, I know there was a guy who's been playing well recently that you wanted to bring up. Um... We're going to have a little segment where we each just talk about a guy who's been really impressing us this year. Um, this is the segment where we're all homers and just talk about guys on our favorite team who have been really impressive to us. So I will let you start with the Oklahoma City Thunders, young star. Break it down for me, LaPatty. What are you seeing out of Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Well, you know, I think I think uh, I'm going to – I'm gonna ha- like, dude, he's balling right now. That's all I have to say. Like, the dude – he, again, last night against Chicago, he had 33 points, 10 assists, 
Five boards. Shot 68% from the field. 60% from three. This is a guy who is just blowing. I didn't think he was going to be. The thing that always bothered me was it just seemed like some games he would not bring it last year. Some games he would have duds. But he doesn't really have too many of those. I mean, against LA he had 17, but he only played 27 minutes. So I mean, I don't I don't know what you, too much you want from that. But four out of the past five games he shot over 60% from the field. That is just that's just wild to me. That is just a great. That's just an insane number. I wouldn't have guessed that. And I mean, the dude is averaging 21 a game, shooting for 50% from the field, 37% from three, six assists a game. I mean. He's doing everything. He's doing everything at a, at a really high level, and I'm, I, I didn't think that was going to happen this fast. I thought there was going to be a little bit of a learning curve. I mean, I know I picked him as my most improved player, but just the the shooting efficiency has just been awesome. And you know, I would like to shout out Lou Dort really quick once, just to take five seconds. The dude, the dude was terrible from three last year. Come on, let's be real. But he's shooting forty four percent from the line this year from three. This it's insane. He he has really stepped it up too. So my my two favorite players in the NBA I had to shout out. But Thomas, who's your guy? Who's your guy that's really impressed you this year? Well, so before I get into my guy, I just want to caveat off what you said real quickly. And I think with Shy go playing so well this year, I think it just really shows a lot about Chris Paul and his leadership and how that's gonna help his legacy down the line. For years I was a big Chris Paul hater when he was in Houston because they obviously were the only team that was a relative threat to the Warriors but it really goes to show that like the importance of having veteran leadership around young players so I think obviously Al Horford is no Chris Paul I think he's good to have around this team this year and obviously they're six and six at the moment they're going to dip a little bit but having some veteran leadership can really only help them in my player Similar to what you did, it's just a player's and it's super surprising is Jeremy Grant, the Detroit Pistons. I know the Pistons are arguably the worst team in the NBA. I mean, they're high, they're still paying Blake Griffin and or playing Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose. And if this is 2012, I would have been like, wow, this team does not suck. But in all reality, they are the knees between those two guys are just as bad as can be. And as a result, their record is reflective of that. But bright spot of the team it's been jeremy grant averaging 25 points a game this year and i know he got signed this off season i don't know if you guys have the same reaction as as i did the first thing i said is like why is jeremy grant getting that money he's it seemed like he's a rim runner somebody who come off the bench and be a high energy player but like you know a good role player but he's just really carving out it good role and I think that's a good thing about or that's probably a big reason why I went to a team like Detroit a team with knowing he's not going to win much but he will be the focal point of their offense so I'd say Jeremy Grant averaging 25 points a game is easily my most surprising player alright y'all I'm just going to give you guys a couple of stats and you tell me whether or not this sounds like an all-star or not through 12 games so not a lot so far but let's be honest but still through 12 games 27.6 points 4.3 total rebounds, 5.3 assists, 47% shooting, 43.4% shooting from outside, 85% from the line, and a and a 58.8 true field goal percentage. Does that sound like an all-star numbers on no. a team that's top five in a conference? No. no. Can I get a hint what conference it is? Western well, Conference. I usually know, know who this player is, so it's a no for me. I know who it is. It's a no. I would say I would say it's all starting. 
numbers. No. The truth Too is, bad. it is all-star numbers, whether, or not, whether or not Patty wants to try to sling his guys into an all-star game when they're one of the worst teams in basketball. But those just happen to be the numbers of one Christian James McCollum. Averaging almost 28 a ball game, playing unbelievably. Now, look at I've been able to watch CJ play for a long time, so I'm well aware that these numbers, well, they probably won't last all season long, nor do I expect them to. But if we are strictly talking about players that are playing better than we expected them to be playing, this very clearly has to be on the list. The 29-year-old is absolutely playing the best basketball of his career. He's been super clutch, including game-winning shots against the Toronto Raptors and others. He has been so efficient. He has been such a general on the floor. Dame has been able to play off-ball because of what CJ's been doing this season, which has helped Dame's game as well. CJ, well, he's playing like an all-star. Hopefully, he can get there this season. He's a guy that through what he's been able to do over his career, probably deserves at least one appearance or two. The guy's playing so well this season. Yes, probably better than Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's been that impressive. Well, I think CJ McCollum, like the last four years, or five years before this, he's averaged over 20 points a game, but he stayed between 20 and 22 points a game, which has been, obviously, that's great to have on your team, but people almost underappreciate it. Being... another undersized guard next to Damian Lillard. People don't really appreciate how skilled and how talented CJ McCollum really is. But I think this year has just been great. I mean, being a non-Blazers fan, actually not really liking the Blazers at all. And I'll say it one last time. I think Blazers fans are kind of annoying because they got swept in the conference finals and people act like it was a big deal. But... CJ McCollum does deserve much more because he's making that league. He's it seems he's demanding the ball a little more, and he's just that pull-up mid-range jump shot with CJ McCollum has, I think is one of the more unguardable shots in the NBA. It is, it truly is. Especially that that little step back between the legs moved. He used it on Fred Van Fleet the other night and bang, game winner right there. It- yeah, and the way he's able to just command through a pick and roll with his long dribbles pull, it's something people underappreciate him. And I'm really happy he's starting to get some sort of notoriety this year because he's been doing a lot of good things, the Portland Trailblazers. CJ McCollum, as I mentioned, playing all of these numbers by far the best in his career. He is having a season to remember so far. Again, only 12 games. Who knows what could happen by game 13, 15, 20, 77. Who knows at this point? But what I can tell you, Christian James McCollum, you are playing better than I expected. Congratulations to you. Patrick, we got seven minutes. Hit I was going to throw out this question to you guys, specifically Sam, but I mean, you both can answer. Um, so, Nurk is obviously out for the Blazers. I think eight weeks is the estimate. Eight, Do they have Eight weeks and then reevaluation, I believe. Okay, so... Where? How do you think Portland can sustain? Like saying what they're doing. I mean, they're fifth in the the West. I think they can obviously get a little bit higher with time. But what do you, do you think they can sustain what they're doing right now, Sam? Without Nurk? Um, it it really depends. I think we're gonna have to see Terry Stotts do something that I'm not sure he's the most comfortable with, and that's gonna be a lot of small ball. The truth of the matter is, Ennis Cantor is an awesome guy to have coming off the bench just at center because it's a guaranteed eight points and eight rebounds a game. But the truth is, that's not a starting caliber center on a competing team. And if Portland wants to be a competing team, they're going to have to figure out a way to do that. Now, personally, 
I think that they have a lot of talent in their small ball lineup, especially when you look at the upcoming games for them, playing Atlanta, San Antonio, the Grizzlies a couple times, the Knicks, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Bulls. There's definitely like there's a there's there's more than an opportunity to take advantage of the schedule right here. So I'm not saying that Portland's drop off is going to look immediate, but the fact is they're missing somebody who, if absolutely nothing else is a really, really good pick-and-roll center and somebody who's at least going to clog the middle. You at least have a 7-foot, 270-pound dude standing there taking up the middle of the paint. That's something that's really hard to recreate. I think Portland's going to have to try to do it through some kind of a small ball lineup. It's going to be difficult. I think that Portland will definitely be more comfortable when Nurk returns. But I don't think that it's necessarily a season-over type of ordeal. Well, it's time for Robert Covington to step up. They brought him in for a reason, although Nurkic is hurt. And I would say Terry Stotts is kind of used to it. Nurkic is out a lot, but last year they had Hassan Whiteside to play. And obviously he's not great, but at the same time, they haven't been forced really to do that small ball. But this year, bringing in Robert Covington, it's this is kind of going to be make or break for him, although he is under contract, so it's not going to – be catastrophic but just for his reputation around the nba i mean for me i always thought he was a gritty three and d guy and i really liked what he did in houston last year but so far this year averaging 6.8 points a game behind so like 6.8 points a game scoring less than ennis Cantor, and obviously within the year if you'd ask would you rather have robert covington or ennis Cantor on your team you would take robert covington so it is time for him to step up but you, i like how you mentioned the fact that you do have ennis Cantor. so it's not like you're going in the games without any big man although he's not too much on the defensive side of the ball i like how you mentioned that he's going to give you eight and eight in every, every game so it's really going to be robert covington time for him to step up maybe a little harry giles action one point was number one high school player in the nation. Maybe he can recover. I doubt it, but it's going to be interesting. What I will tell you about Portland fans, and I, I tend to disagree that we're annoying. I think we're some of the best fans in the NBA. But one thing no, that dude, we do. All my friends are Blazers fans. One, I like Blazers fans. One I'll thing that we that. do do that is very annoying, though, is that we love to find a certain player that nobody else in the NBA appreciates and then give them way too much lenience, way too much slack, way too much room to operate. What do you mean? Evan Turner was great for you guys. Evan Turner is a beautiful example of a guy the fans fell in love with who was doing absolutely nothing productive. And Alan Alan Crabb, too. He deserved all that money. You were just going down the list of guys. Fucking, you want to... Myers Leonard, there's another great example. I was going to say a little Myers Leonard action wouldn't hurt anyone. Myers Leonard action only shows up in one playoff series ever. You know, it's a good time. What I will say, though, Robert Covington is slowly finding his shooting stroke, which I appreciate. I've had the luxury of being able to watch all 12 games so far, so I have seen him slowly begin to improve his shooting touch. Um, you're absolutely right, though. He's going to have to step up. He's going to have to play some of that small ball center that he played in Houston for sure. That's something that he's going to be required of. Another lineup that Portland brought out the other night that I found very interesting, Dame, CJ, Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, and Carmelo Anthony playing that stretch four position where he can either post up inside or he can pull up from three do i love the lineup no is it gonna have to work for now probably we'll see tonight who the blazers start at center but patty i appreciate you bringing up this question it's a very good one to bring up Nurkic. it's gonna be about as they said eight weeks until we know anything else it's a fractured wrist it's not the worst injury it's not something like he's dealt with last time where it was a complete leg break but it is unfortunate. It is something that's going to take some time for the Blazers to figure out. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely I've I've seen some really interesting injuries in my my lifetime. My favorite one has to be favorite one. Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor being out for a month because he punched a chair. Yeah, that's uh quite quite the quite the headline to read on Bleacher Report. It was I don't favorite is a t- strong word, but maybe stupidest cuz I was and that that's on that that was on that Thunder team that had absolutely nobody other than Westbrook and uh, Victor Oladipo who didn't really come into his own yet. So that didn't really – it was just a really poor timing and just really weird. But I, I do think this isn't the end of the world either. I think it sucks. I mean, injury – you don't want injuries in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, it's 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 not – it's it's one you can get over, especially with – I know it is a shortened season, but we're also still at the near beginning of it. So, I mean, I don't think it's it's the end-all, be-all for the Portland Trailblazers' hopes. I don't, I don't know if they'll be as high as we predicted in our uh, preseason standings judging off of this injury depending on where they go with that i know we picked them three uh but you know maybe not that high but you know i I think they'll be fine in the long run hopefully hopefully it doesn't get worse but thomas are you raising your hand i do i have one oh i I was no i wasn't sure i just thought i was just i just thought you were doing this This yeah i i didn't know how to do the raise hand thing on zoom (laughs) i was kind of tossing it up so with james harden off the market do you think there is a world where Bradley Beal gets moved to a team like the Miami Heat, because the Heat are kind of stuck in no man's land right now. I think I think last year was their Cinderella story. I think Bam's really good player and they can get back, but I don't think they have the firepower needed to go up against the elite of the East. So do you guys think Bradley Beal maybe for Bradley Beal traded for Tyler Hero in some sort of other uh, draft compensation? Do you think that is a possibility? Number one, well, well, you can go ahead, Patrick. You go first. Oh, I was just going to say, if you're talking to Miami Heat Twitter about this, they will not let you trade Tyler Hero for anyone because he's Tyler Hero. I mean, he has a song named after him. He's like Mo Bamba. I was going to say, so does Mo Bamba, but does that make him an elite player? I mean, I don't know. I don't know, dude. If you have a song named after you, you kind of become coveted in a way. I mean, do you have a song named after you, Thomas? I don't I don't think so. Not yet. So, not yet. No, okay, okay. Um, yeah, that was all I had to add, Sam. You can add your actual take. <laughs> um, well, it's it, it's 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 one of those situations, I believe, where truthfully, where truthfully, yes, the Miami Heat need to make something happen. They are in no man's land. We talked about it a lot on here, but. A big reason why I believe they made the playoffs and not made the playoffs, but really went to the NBA championship last season was that they didn't have to play any road playoff games. Miami Heat suck on the road. They proved that last season. They're proving it so far this season. They're really not good away from Miami. Being able to play in the bubble was beneficial to them probably more than any other team. I really think it's something that they were able to take absolute advantage of. Yes, they need to make some kind of a move, but I have no idea whether or not the Miami fan base would at all be comfortable letting go of a guy like Tyler Hero. Last thing, gentlemen, we are almost out of time, but I just want to get from each of you an NBA game going on this week that you would advise our listeners definitely should take the time to check out. Well, now I have to look at a schedule, Sam. Well, you can edit this part out. You know how to edit yeah, but I'm lazy, so I. Oh, wait, this will just be, you know, it's. Just us. It's it's. It, I like to think of this as a moving art piece. It's moving. It's always ever changing. Everything is. Every piece is important. No need to edit it out. It's an experience, Sam. Um, 
I mean, I I think there there's obviously there's there's a lot of mad games on an NBA slate in any given week because it's the NBA. You are gonna get some pretty boring matchups. I mean, no offense, I don't want to watch the matchup like Wizards Hornets right now. I mean, I know the Hornets look good, but the Wizards don't. So I'm okay without. I'm I'm not gonna advise you watch that one. I will say, Monday night, seven o'clock. Thomas, I know this is your team. Warriors Lakers. I'm going to advise you to watch that one. I mean, this is a Warriors team with Steph Curry who is going bananas. I advise you to watch as many games of that as you can. And it's a Lakers team that has won, I believe, five in a row. I mean, it's the Lakers. You're going to want to watch. It's, it's the Lakers. Uh, Thomas, what's your pick? So my pick originally would have been today at 3 o'clock. But with Kyrie Irving not playing today, it's going to probably be pushed back to Monday with the Brooklyn Nets hosting the Milwaukee Bucks. The Brooklyn Nets are going to be obviously starring there, a new three-headed monster, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. And they're going to be going up against the team with, I talked about how they don't have any interior defense. They're going to be going up against someone who is going to be going to the rim at full force of Giannis. So I think that game, just being able to see the Brooklyn Nets and watching them go against a premier Eastern Conference team is going to be something I actually cannot wait to watch. Well, gentlemen, I've got an ultimate answer for you, but there's another caveat as well that should be at least interesting. Two teams that are struggling in the Eastern Conference, but should both be a little better than they are right now. The Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors, they play against each other twice in three days, a Wednesday and then a Friday matchup. Those should be at least somewhat interesting to see if either one of those teams can dig themselves out of the basement. But the game to watch, I don't really think it's a question. Thursday, the 21st of January at 4 p.m., the Lakers and the Bucks. This could very well be a championship preview. We don't know yet. Both of these teams, super talented. The King versus Giannis. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. Okay. Wow. We, again, went a little bit over on time, but I don't think our nine listeners. Oh, we had nine listeners on an episode last week. Yes. That's up from the the seven that we've had for like the past four. We're so, up to nine. I, I know, right? It. We're big, big climb. Um, Thomas, thank you for coming on. It's it's always great to have a guest. It's, it's great to have you, man. No problem. I appreciate it. It's always a good time talking about some hoops. And then before it's already 11-11 on a Saturday, so we have a whole day of some NFL divisional football. So pretty juice. Thanks for having we don't, me. We don't acknowledge other sports on this podcast. Yeah, what are other sports? Oh, oh, sorry. You can watch the Orlando Magic play the Brooklyn Nets at 3 o'clock today, what I'm so excited to watch. Two Eastern Conference <laughs> powerhouses, truly. Um, Sam, thank you as always. Uh, we got some... I got a few guests hitting my phone up, quite a few. So we might have some more guests here and there. Um, it's funny that more people on... want to come on this show than listen to this show. I, I don't get that. I, everybody wants to come on the show, but so nobody hey, will go listen. New, new rule. Come like... on the show. You have to prove you're a weekly listener. <laughs> you, have to, you have to show me your listening habits. Um, before we leave, I would like to shout out a couple people here. Uh, today is actually my mom's birthday. So hey! I want to shout out my mom. And, yeah, I can't remember how old she's turning. I probably shouldn't have said that. But, you know, happy birthday to my mom. And my dad's birthday is actually on Wednesday. So might as well shout that one out, too. Um, yeah, that's that's all I had. Um, I know both of you guys don't know either of these people. But I, I kind of know them. So I figured I'd shout it out. I know them a little bit. But, you know, um, anything else you guys want to add before we head out of here? No, thanks for having me on.
Let's go Jamie's watch some hoops, the last quip. Okay, no, no quip. Okay. I, no, I don't got a quip today, man. I'm just, I'm just excited to go uh, go watch some hoop to this weekend. It's going to be a good time. Okay, everybody have a great week. Uh, we will see you guys next Sunday.